Well, hello, Hope Fellowship. Welcome to our podcast, Full of Hope, Encouraging One Another with the Word of God, where we seek to regularly equip the people of Hope Fellowship with truth from Scripture in order to help us cling to our Savior during troubled times. My name is Jeff Brewer, and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Fellowship. On today's podcast, we're going to look at patience from James chapter 5. You might remember how the book of James is all about the practical outworking of faith for the Christian, how our faith motivates action. And in James chapter 5, he begins to speak about patience and prayer. In James 5, 7 through 11, if we read it, you would quickly notice that James writes about patience seven times in just those few verses. And in those few verses, he commands patience, he illustrates patience, and he gives two examples of patience. I suspect that you're like me and that you struggle with being patient. I mean, I can talk myself into thinking I'm a patient person by comparing myself to someone else who's impatient. And and essentially, I can say, well, I'm not impatient like they are, or I'm not impatient about that. What's their problem? It might be true. But then I go on and I demonstrate impatience in an entirely different way. James writes two times, be patient. It's a command, an imperative, meaning that we're supposed to obey it. It's not optional. Be patient. But what does it mean to be patient? You know, a Greek dictionary defines this word that we translate patience from the original Greek as meaning to remain tranquil while waiting or to bear up under provocation without complaint. So one kind of patience is like when a brother or sister provokes their sibling, and that sibling who's being provoked are exhibiting patience by being forbearing while being ridiculed. That's being patient. But the other kind of patience that can be spoke of that's being demonstrated here is to remain tranquil while waiting. And, And that kind of patience can look two different ways. Waiting for something we know is coming, like we're just waiting for Friday or we're waiting for the weekend, and then we're going to go out to dinner or we're going to have a party with friends. The other kind of patience is waiting for something that we're not actually sure when that thing is going to happen or if it even might happen. Waiting for medicine to work and wondering if it will, or waiting to get married, or waiting to have children. In these circumstances, when we don't know the outcome, waiting seems a lot more difficult. I actually think both senses of the definition work here in James 5. We can demonstrate patience by bearing up under provocation without complaint as we suffer, and we can also demonstrate patience by remaining peace-filled while waiting, whether waiting for something we know will happen or waiting for something we're not sure if it will come to be. But notice... This patience isn't in an indefinite amount of time. Be patient forever. There's an expiration date. Until the coming of the Lord. Now, somebody might argue that this doesn't really help because the expiration date might be long after we've lived and died. Because after all, the people to whom James was writing never saw the second coming of Jesus in their lifetimes. Their patience extended the rest of their lives. So how are we supposed to obey this command, to be patient? I think this is where his, James's illustration begins to point us in the right direction. Verse 11, 
Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. This illustration of the farmer helps encourage patience because James knows that there's absolutely nothing he can do, the farmer can do, to make the crops grow. He can't go out in the middle of the night and pull on every stalk and try to get it to grow taller. And in the ancient Near East, there weren't sprinkler systems that he could set up and make it rain on the crops. All he could do was do his work and wait patiently. In fact, that's what a farmer does. Do what a farmer does, then wait patiently. But in verse 8, after James gives the command again, be patient, he adds, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. To establish our hearts means to fix them firmly in place, to support them. You know, I I think about it kind of like how you dig a hole if you're putting in a fence and you're putting in a fence post. You'd first dig a hole and you'd put the fence post down deep in the hole. And as you poured in the the wet cement and you waited for it to dry, what you'd have to do is support the post with two by fours so that it would stay level and straight. As we wait for the coming of the Lord, Even while going through trial, we need to make sure our hearts are supported with truth. The cement still feels wet. Specifically here, we could support our hearts with the truth that Jesus is going to return. That it's a certain fact. We don't know when it is. It might not be today, but it could be. We want to make sure that our hearts don't lean towards other things in the meantime, so we keep them supported with God's word and truth about his character and fellowship with other believers and worshiping together. As James says here, don't grumble against others because the judge is standing at the door. We keep our hearts established by reminding ourselves that it isn't our job to judge others and make them do what we want them to do. So James commands patience twice, he gives an illustration of a farmer, and then he ends with two examples of others, those who, quote, remained steadfast. And so James then, he points to both the prophets who suffered and were patient, and also to the steadfastness of Job. In both cases, the steadfastness and the patience in the midst of suffering pointed people to look to the purpose of the Lord. His servants were patient even when enduring trial so that others could see the character of God. That despite, even despite suffering, we can be a living example that we believe we have a compassionate and merciful God, and we show it. Being reminded of these examples helps us to be patient even when we don't know when the trial or the suffering we're going to go through will end. But let's turn the dial even one more turn. How does God demonstrate his compassion and mercy towards us? By actively showing patience towards sinners. He is the patient one. He is the one who's shown such compassion and mercy by being patient towards us. That's what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.16. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, As the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Jesus is the supreme example of patience because we've offended him through our sin. 
and he endured more suffering than anyone else on our behalf. God intends for us to see examples of patience while suffering, the prophets, Job, and Jesus as the foremost, so that we can be patient when we suffer. So the gospel helps provide us with the motivation to be patient. Because we've been shown mercy and grace, and as as an example of Jesus being patient with us, we can be patient. Because we have a great history of Christians being patient under trial in order to demonstrate that they trust God to deliver deliver them in his timing. Even if we have to wait for that deliverance for the return of Christ, because we have that history, we can be patient. We're called to be patient because we demonstrate a patient Savior. One who laid down his life for us. One who rose from the dead. And so Hope Fellowship, we'll see you next time. Remember, we have hope in Christ. Let's make that hope known in a struggling world.